Welcome to Device Casting Couch Season 1, Episode 5. Today we'll be talking about updates on simjacking, DoorDash, Data Disaster, and Capital One, Who's in Your Wallet? Joining me today is John and Aaron. Aaron's back with us from his business trip. John, why don't you start us out with the uh, with your article? Well, uh, it's kind of a two-part thing. So the first part, it's actually another vulnerability for uh, SIM cards. And basically what happened was these uh, security researchers from Geno Security Labs uh, found that there's this wireless internet browser. It's another Java applet like the uh, SAT browser we were talking about in your SIM mm-hmm. card. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's uh, vulnerable to a, a similar attack um, to the SIM jacker. Okay. And, you know, it can do a lot of the same things like get location data, start a call, send SMS. Has uh, these different requests. I'm not entirely sure what they are, like a SS request or USSD request. You can launch an internet browser with a specific URL. You already know how bad that is. Mm-hmm. Um, it can display text on the device and play a tone. But the good news to this is another organization is the what? Um, SRL Labs. They uh, they did a bunch of tests against 800 different SIM cards, and what they were able to imply was that only 5.6% of them are vulnerable to SimJacker. Oh. And then um, another 3.5% were vulnerable to that new exploit I was just talking about. Okay, so, so it's not as widespread as they said before? Yeah, because before they didn't know how many were vulnerable, and we're saying it's potentially a billion people with SIM cards could be affected, but in yeah, reality, yeah. it's a lot less than that. And, um, okay, well, that's... And the I cool guess that's, thing that's <laughs> is they developed these apps um, to... You can actually test your SIM card. So they've developed two apps, SIM Tester and Snoop Snitch. And um, you can put them on, I think one's a desktop app and one's an Android app. Okay. And you can test your SIM card. I think you might your phone might have to be rooted and have a Qualcomm chipset. But other than that, it looks like you can test it and see if it has any of those things affected on there. Okay. And who's who's putting out those, those apps? The SR um, Labs team. Oh, okay. So it's an official, it's an official app. It's not like someone just made an app and threw it up. Yeah, there. I like, believe hey, it's on the Play Store. Hey, um, test your sim here. <laughs> so uh, I did a quick uh, search online about SimJacker. It looks like uh, a lot of South American countries, actually, uh, the mobile phone companies are actually shipping these vulnerable SIM cards. Um, oh, really? Is there, any, is there any news of it hitting any phone company in the United States? I didn't say, in the articles I read, it didn't say specifically where they were located. Mm-hmm. Um, it says only a handful of mobile providers across the world um, ship SIM cards with the vulnerable apps and mostly located in MENA. I forget what that stands for. What the Middle yeah. East, I think. Eastern Europe and Latin America regions. So, mm. Oh, yeah. So all okay. of South America, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they were, keeping it, they were keeping it under wraps like early on, right? Well, so SimJacker originally uh, was found to be, they didn't say what the company was, but there's a private company out there who's selling it to uh, nation states, essentially. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because you can do stuff like have location data and you know open yeah. a URL and um, make a phone call and stuff like that. It's obviously people were concerned. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Because, hell, you just open a malicious URL, boom, you already own the phone. We talked about an exploit like that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we talked about that last time where, I mean, it may not, like you said, last time it may not seem like a big deal if someone has access to your SIM. But if they can open up <laughs> websites, they just have to open up a website for, a, you know, a freaking rat or a backdoor or something, and then they have full control. Mm-hmm. So, to be fair, is this is this something the normal person should worry about, or is this more of like a... Uh like a like a well-funded organization type exploit well you should be worried about it because the researchers who discovered it found out you can do this with this with just a ten dollar gsm modem because you basically send a silent sms it calls upon these um, java applets in your sim card and the Mm -hmm. phone never receives the sms um, so you don't know what happened Um, they haven't released it yet they're going to release i think it's sometime this month there's uh, some kind of conference or uh, something the researchers were going to release all the information at, but I'm saying ten dollars worth of hardware. You best believe I'm gonna be testing it on my phone, like, <laughs> and and only your phone. 
I mean, this is absolutely terrible. Has anything has anything came out from like the uh, the governments or the regulatory agencies in that region to say, hey, you know, we have a law that says we absolutely have to stop this? Well, or- as I discussed uh, last week, um, the people who found out the exploit and made it to the public, they went to the what the Sim Alliance and the GSM. Mm-hmm. Um, what's their What's that group called? I think it's it's like the GSM Alliance and the Sim Alliance. I think those are two names, but they went to them like, hey, this is how this is happening, and they're trying to get it updated so in the future, more SIM cards uh, can't be affected. But like like I said, only about 5.6% are affected by the SIM jacker vulnerability, and like, mm-hmm. it's not a huge deal unless you live in one of those regions, and then you can I test mean, it yourself and you know, stuff Still, like that. though, yeah. I mean, if they can, like, let's say you know, whatever, 50% of people in South America are affected by this. They, you can still send texts from that phone as well. So they can target other people with malicious, uh, I mean, they essentially could create a botnet on phones, correct? Yeah, something like that is possible. So like I just did the math, uh, they said there's about a billion SIM cards or so in the world. And if mm-hmm. 5.6% of them are affected, that's about 56 million. So yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot of people. I'm looking at a yeah, uh, an, an article from Adaptive Mobile Security, and they actually have a good infographic of a map um, of mobile carriers, you know, in the countries that ship SIM cards that are affected by this. Yeah. And apparently, almost all the countries in South America are affected. Um, <laughs> Mexico, like they said, Latin America, some African countries, yeah. Middle Eastern, and then Italy is looks like to be the only European one. Um, mm. Looks like Greece too, maybe. Um, yeah, so but yeah, I mean, that, European countries are in there. Yeah, but it's that could spread pretty easily, though. Well, so yeah. it's only your SIM card's only affected if you have that wireless internet browser, which they call WIB, or yep. the uh, the SAT browser. Uh, okay. So if those aren't on your SIM card, then the exploit won't work. Mm-hmm. Okay, so basically, so download one of those apps, see if you're affected, and if you are, then where do you go from there? Do you contact your what your carrier and see if you can get an updated sim or I, that's what I would do. Cause that's the only thing you really can do. Yeah. yeah. But are they even offering it? Like I'm not, I'm not seeing anything that even says they're offering like a recall or, you know, a software patch. Like the thing I don't understand about sim cards is if they're affected, can you update them to get rid of these things or is it hard coded in? For my limited research on sim cards, I do believe there are like methods to update them. Um, it's just, do people do that many updates? Do people care that much? Like, we'll see. Yeah, usually not. It just depends on how big of a splash in the news it makes and stuff like yeah. that. I haven't heard of it, and I actually looked this stuff up. So Yeah, I know. I, I yeah. That's what I didn't understand when John brought this up last time. I was like, why is this not in the news? Like, why aren't people angry about this or, or doing anything about this? Too busy talking about people's tweeting habits. So. Well, yeah, true. It's always something else to talk about, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Something that gets more clicks. Exactly. Okay. Well, all right. All right what were those two apps again, John? Um, so they're called Sim Tester and Snoop Snitch. Snoop Snitch and Sim Tester. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Um, do you want to go over the, uh, the DoorDash? Yeah, this will be a real quick one. Basically, uh, we kind of knew that DoorDash, um, had a bunch of information, about 4.9 million users' information um, accessed by an unauthorized third party. And so mm-hmm. stuff like users' profile information, which had names, email addresses, delivery addresses, order history, phone numbers. Um, last four credit card numbers were accessed, but not the full number or CVVs. Yeah. Um, for delivery workers and restaurants, they got the last four digits of bank account numbers. Uh, and then so like Apparently, all the passwords were uh, hat. They were hashed, but they still got um, dumped. So they recommend everyone to change their passwords. Um, unfortunately, DoorDash didn't tell us what hashing algorithm they used. So mm-hmm. depending on what they used, it could be more severe. Like if they used MD5 or SHA1. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And if they're salted or not, they, there wasn't much detail. Yeah, I know. Uh, I got the email um, when it first happened. It wasn't from DoorDash. It was from somewhere else. 
Um, I can't, can't remember who sent the email, but they're basically like, Hey, you know, DoorDash got hacked. You may want to look at your account. And, but they didn't say like who it was or anything like that. Is there any more info on like who was behind it or what was the intent? Um, from the articles I read, I didn't see anything about who did it. Um, it, and it does say that the hat, the password hashes were salted. So it's a little more protected. Mm -hmm. They still don't say what kind of a hashing scheme they use. Oh, goodness. So, is there any talk about like regulatory fining for DoorDash? Not that I saw. Yeah, not that I can see. Ah, so another company losing people's data and nothing. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, this leads into a, a better discussion, which is why I don't understand why companies just believe, like especially tech companies right now, that we can just make a product, push it out. And it's good. It's fine, guys. Just leave it how it is. Just don't mm -hmm. don't worry about securing it. it. You know, it's too much money. Like, you know, I've seen that through my work in like this. You know, the um, the private sector. Like, mm -hmm. guys, come on now. You have got to do more to dis secure your things. Like, who knows who's going to be looking at this? Like, they they just push stuff out. That's all they do. They just push yeah. stuff out, and they don't bother doing any of the security work, auditing any of their policies. Like I'm yeah. reading one about DoorDash right now that says that a lot of people were uh, hacked by what they call in credential stuffing, which is like just testing random passwords, apparently, mm -hmm. from what I can gather from this article. Um, c come on, guys. Like, you can't lock out an account after it's been logged into <laughs> 8 billion times. Yeah. <laughs> is that too difficult? Like, I mean, I don't know, uh, you know. I, I don't know if th this is exactly it, but they did ask DoorDash apparently if they would improve their password policy, um, which mm. apparently currently only requires a minimum of eight characters. Nothing else. That's it. It just has to have eight characters, and it. it can be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> oh no! Come on now. Absolutely. So who is like? What I want to know is who is what company are they hiring, if any, that are that are implementing this stuff? Because like this, it seems like pretty simple standard protocols that should be in place that are never put in place. Are you but saying like, protocols or policy? Like you mean like policies, like the password policy, like we are going to require yeah. complex well, yeah. passwords. Yeah, exactly. Like who, what, what team are they hiring or what company are they hiring? That's doing this bad of a job. Well, so you got to think a lot of these tech companies are so innovative. They want to get their stuff out there mm -hmm. first. Yep. They security is kind of a second thought afterthought. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's not in the forefront of their minds and it really should be. Um, and I think like, uh, it kind of comes down to the users and just like everyone that hold these companies as, uh, responsible, like for their fuck ups. Like I, why is Equifax still around? That's their main job, you know, like DoorDash, yeah. like maybe, maybe DoorDash gets a, like a spanking and then they come back in a couple of years. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. I mean, no, that happens consistently. It's, they get a slap on the wrist and they say they're sorry. And then everyone just keeps on using their product. That, that shouldn't be a thing. Well, we, we, we talked about that with Equifax. So, like, they got a slap on the wrist from the regulatory agencies. And guess what? Yeah. You know, what what was it? A couple, you know, million dollars, like, to a billion-dollar company? Like, come on, guys. Yeah. Come on. That's nothing. That's all we got to do? Gonna, they can lose everyone in the country's anything. data? Yeah. That, oh, word. Well, and apparently, this is the same thousand dashers had their driver's license numbers accessed. So, I don't know if I mentioned that before. Oh, fantastic. More, more private information. Yeah. Yeah. I've done some Googling right now and it doesn't even look like they had any, had any regulatory information that was like any, any regulatory agency that was like, Hey, uh, we should probably look into if you lost this negligently. Um, well, I would say yes. If they don't have any sort of policies in place for like password strength or, I mean, if they're, well, you know, as I said, we don't know what hashing algorithm they're using. I think what like Aaron's that. trying to say is there should be some kind of legal ramifications if if you are a company and your user's information gets lost, like you should be held responsible. Yeah. In some kind no, of I, I definitely agree. If, if, if an internal audit comes up saying, okay, uh, you did not put enough protection in place by industry standard that – because I, I want to put out there, there are ind industry regulations. There mm -hmm. are industry-based – standards that you can apply there are disastigs that are readily available to almost anyone you can you can read them they they'll teach you how to keep your server secure there's pci compliance you can make your servers pci compliant and there's also hipaa compliance which you can th these are for healthcare credit cards and department of defense but they're all applicable to any server system that you 
like to secure. Um, but I, I just, I can't, I can't imagine why that's not happening. Probably because they're using like containerization software like Docker or, uh, you know, something nimble where they're not really worried about having a lot of software and a lot of, you know, security. So who honestly knows what they're doing to secure it at this point? Right. I don't know. Um, what well, isn't that what GDPR is? About? No, GDPR is about regulation based on like if you were to compromise some people's data, and it also includes some like minimum security. But it's it's not what you think it is. It's not like a guide that says if you have a Windows Server 2012 server or Windows Server. No, yeah, but there should. But it it's like a framework, and there's well, our provisions if you fuck up. That's what right? I was saying about uh. There's there's also disastigs. Department of Defense, you know, standards. There's G- PCI compliance in the United States, which is for credit card and financial processing. And there's also HIPAA regulations, which people think HIPAA, oh, medical, mm-hmm. that I don't want to worry about that. Like, no, look at the HIPAA guidance on IT systems. It's actually pretty good. So are DISA-STIGs. So is PCI compliance. Like, if you if you have a system and it's like, well, I don't, I don't process this, so who cares, you know? Well, the NSA also has their hardening uh, exactly. guidance. Yep. So I know for like Windows and Red Hat Linux and a bunch of operating systems. But this is a this is a change in how the tech industry also works as well. Um, you got to remember the tech industry is going into like uh, containerization using Docker, where you're running lightweight operating systems. Um, so you don't really have all those security features of a full Windows Server 2012 instance or a you know Red Hat instance. Mm-hmm. It's scaled down to the bare minimum kernel, and that's about it. Um, so, I think I think we really got to think about like, are are we yeah. scaling it down too much, and do we have all the security features we need to keep all of our data secure? Are these tech companies being good stewards of our data? Well, shouldn't the hypervisor and all that they have some security features involved? Well, you got to remember, or... you can expose a container yeah. or a VM to the yeah. internet by itself. Like it doesn't need the the hypervisor controls all the it, it controls all the resources right, but too many mm-hmm. people like everything does not go through the hypervisor mm-hmm. how you think it does, like logically it all just flows out as if it was its own machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> That's how it's supposed to work. I mean, all right. So I'm gonna go yeah. over this Capital One uh, story here. I got I got a couple pages on here. I condensed like a couple dozen articles down Gosh. into into a couple pages. And, and kind of rewrote it myself. So, all right. So we'll start with the person behind it, which is Paige Thompson. So Paige Thompson worked for AWS as recently as uh, 2016, attended Bellevue Community College, um, worked at a Zion Preparatory School as a system admin for like three years. And as far as I can tell, everything before this hack was like, I, I don't see anything wrong um, with Thompson's life before that but yeah. something something snapped <laughs> at this point um so thompson worked at uh, at aws actually so amazon's web services uh thompson worked there but uh <laughs> started drinking on the job and um they claim it's, it was to cope with harassing and awkward social situations at work um, but there was no like confirmation of this but thompson eventually had to leave the job at uh, at aws so after that Thompson couldn't seem to keep a position anywhere. In fact, this seems like a common theme with Thompson. Her resume shows eight different employers over a 12-year period. Uh, eventually moved into a group home where she lived mm-hmm. rent-free with several other roommates, including Park Kwan. Remember that name because we're going to go over him in a minute. <laughs> He's an interesting character. Uh, after this, it seems Thompson became very active on the internet, namely on social media, where she was part of several forums and communities involving coding, hacking, and programming. But Thompson was pretty unstable, going by the ironic username Erratic, and it showed. Several fellow coders and white hack hackers explain or complained that Thompson would harass them and even become menacing, going so far as to bombard them with spam emails in an attempt to DOS them. On a more serious scenario, Thompson also threatened to shoot up an unidentified California-based social media company's headquarters and spoke out frequently online about battles with depression and suicide attempts. Around the same time as Thompson had to euthanize her cat, she stated that she would be checking herself into a mental hospital permanently. However, that never happened. Maybe it's because Thompson had an idea. What if she could use her skills to hack a big company? No, several big companies. 
According to some of Thompson's friends, they think she went through with the hack for respect and to gain a new job. Weird way to do that, but okay. Regardless of the reason, in one terrible move, Paige Thompson hacked Capital One. Not only hacked them, but didn't notify them and kept the data that she stole from the private server. So we'll move on to the hack here. Uh, March 12th, 2019, um, Paige Thompson sits in her group home in Seattle, essentially penetration testing dozens of workstations at Capital One. Success. One of the devices has a misconfigured firewall, and this computer happens to, to interface with the AWS server. Thompson is, is able to glean the admin login credentials from the device's metadata, and a few keystrokes later, she has access to a server at AWS. From March 12th to July 17th, Thompson accessed and downloaded more than 700 folders of data, equally millions of files. In these files were names, addresses, date of births, and over 120,000 social security numbers and confidential info of U.S. and Canadian companies and businesses that applied for a credit card from Capital One. Then Thompson made yet another mistake. She posted about the hack online, stating clearly that she had downloaded the data and wanted to move it off her server. One such site was the famous GitHub form, which is a platform for programming and coding collaboration and discussion. One GitHub user saw the proof and the post that Thompson had made and notified Capital One. They looked into it and realized 127 days later that they had been breached. Then they notified the FBI, who easily traced it all back to Paige Thompson. As one agent put it, Thompson left a trail of breadcrumbs leading all the way back to her. But it doesn't stop there. As I said, Thompson wanted respect and fame in her addled mind. That meant one company just wouldn't do. In fact, according to other posts online from Thompson, she used the same technique on dozens of other devices at other companies, allegedly including the automobile manufacturer Ford and even some financial institutions in Europe. One article claimed that there were as many as 30 other companies that may have been targeted by Paige Thompson in the same way. If convicted, just one count of computer fraud could land Thompson five years in prison and $250,000 fine. Scott Piper, who advises companies in the, in, on their AWS security, stated that the ability to pilfer credentials from the metadata is a vulnerability that has been known since 2014, but Amazon considers this issue to be a customer responsibility and not theirs. Brennan Thompson, a security researcher, ran an internet scan in February of this year and found that over 800 Amazon cloud accounts allowed similar access to their metadata and is not limited to AWS. Microsoft's cloud service is also found to be at risk. So, <laughs> so that's, that's Paige Thompson and the hack. So obviously the, the FBI showed up at her house, uh, the community house, broke into the house, um, arrested a bunch of people. Apparently she didn't want to go at first and she threatened that she was going to like shoot her way out. Um, but she ended up doing that. So, but they also, when they broke into the house, <laughs> they also broke into this Park uh, Kwan's home or his, uh, his room rather. And <laughs> they found a bunch of, uh, illegal weapons, um, dummy grenades and chemicals used in the making of explosives. Um, and he also kept this unsecured with full knowledge that Thompson was a freaking mentally unstable person and, and had threatened to shoot up a company, the suicide attempts, all that. He knew all that. He was the landlord of the house. Um, doesn't he have some priors? Yeah. Yes. So he was arrested along with, with Thompson, but yeah, his priors. So he was military oh, yes, uh, in the 1970s. He was court-martialed for soliciting the theft of military weaponry and sentenced to five years at Leavenworth. Ah. All right. So <laughs> a little rough start. Yeah. 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 A little rough start, but you know, he can learn from his mistakes, but he didn't. 1983 he's convicted again for involvement in a plot to murder a Seattle man by strapping dynamite to the victim's truck as he returned from a fishing trip. It did not explode due to a malfunction and sentenced to 10 years behind bars. So, okay, he gets, he gets thrown in jail again. All right, so he's back out, you know, on the straight and narrow until 1991. Convicted of unlawful possession of unregistered firearms and sentenced to 57 additional months in jail. So, so this guy's this guy's a, he's a piece of art. Um, so let's, let's discuss real quick. So back to Paige Thompson for just a moment. Yeah. What educational background did she have? So as far as what? She went to like community what, what, college, I think. 
Yeah, all it says is she attended Bellevue Community College. I'm not sure anything besides that. There wasn't much known about like her her personal life. Um, there wasn't much like posted about it uh, as far as like before this happened. There wasn't much info on like her her childhood or anything like that. See, here's my my very large issue with with all of this. Basically, mm-hmm. why have we made technology so easy to where someone? The granted, she's worked in the space. She's been a sysad before, right? Oh yeah, yeah. That's great. You should not have that knowledge to where you can go breach AWS. Yeah, being no. a normal sysad, that should be impossible. Should be impossible. I'm, I know it's not, but come on, guys. Mm-hmm. But what he was come saying on. was um is that micro Amazon knows about the issue, but they consider it a customer responsibility. So yes. basically, uh, they haven't done anything because I want to say it's been around since 2014. Oh, 2014. Okay. Let's talk about Capital One and Ford then. Let's talk about that real quick. Right. How did she penetrate their networks? She found a vulnerable. She found a. Um, a misconfigured firewall on one of their systems, and that system was connected to an AWS server. So what it sounds to me like is some admin somewhere mm-hmm. created a large vulnerability in his otherwise impenetrable wall. Yes. An admin did. Why is this so common that admins are the ones that screw up their own security? I mean, yeah. Well, <laughs> You're not wrong. The human element to everything. Yeah. Like we talk all the time, like, oh, we got to secure, you know, end user machines. We got to secure client machines. We got to secure, you know, um, you know, regular users. Like, no, 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 no. We need to secure the admins. You're the problem. Yeah. And I don't know if it comes down to like more training or maybe they need to have someone looking over like their buddy's work. I don't, I don't know what the, the fix for this would be in, in a company like that um, where I'm sure they they do this stuff all the time. I mean, there's, there's so much work that must be going on in the background of these companies, especially a banking facility, but there has to be some sort of like checkpoints in place or or some sort of balances um, put in place so that this stuff doesn't happen. Cause yeah, this, it was a misconfigured firewall from the beginning. So whoever set up the computer um, messed up the configs or someone changed the configs later on, most likely an admin, because you probably won't be able to change it unless you have admin credentials. So, I'm wondering if this was like a like a jump server, though. You know what I'm saying? Like something where you could easily like something you use to log into administrative things, anyways. Like possibly, yeah. I because mean, there's no way. Like, what, what are you using? Your normal machine at home to log into your AWS servers? Like, no, no, no. these were at so. Capital One, from what I from what I understood. The AWS servers are at Capital One. No, no, no. The the uh, workstation that that Thompson logged into. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I so I get that, but I'm saying yeah. like. Why, why are we logging into AWS servers from an unsecured workstation? Well, yeah, you got me there. You're a bank. You're a multi-billion dollar bank, and you're telling me we're logging into AWS servers from Joe's computer in IT? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. It doesn't this, really say where really... these things are, but I oh, mean... Oh, my goodness. That's what it seems like. I said, a, I said a workstation, a misconfigured firewall on a workstation. Fantastic. So, that's right. Joe's got it all. <laughs> so yeah it's a it's a little interesting so obviously um page went to court the court date kept on getting getting pushed um but finally on the september 5th of 2019 thompson uh what was actually appeared before a judge and pleaded not guilty to all charges in connection with the breach i don't know how but she did um so the government alleges that Thompson also stole data, as I mentioned before, from 30 other organizations in and outside the U.S., uh, though the court filings did not name specific victims. So the Ford and the, the Italian financial company, those are just allegedly, um, that was one of the authors said that they, they believe that that's, uh, that was the company that was the other companies that may have been targeted. Um, so federal attorneys from the Western District of Washington also say Thompson, upon breaching victim organizations, leveraged from computing, leveraged their computing power to mine cryptocurrency as well, <laughs> an activity known as cryptojacking. So, so they apparently this is still developing. They're still finding out more things that that Thompson has done, and apparently another of them was she created her own little uh, cryptocurrency mining operation using the. Uh, the resources from these companies' uh, computers. Wait, hold on. So, hold on. Let me get this straight. She used their AWS to mine cryptocurrency. 
Possibly. Or their regular workstation. It just says upon breaching victim organizations. It doesn't say who. But possibly, (laughs) so possibly, uh, Thompson was using (laughs) was using Amazon to mine Bitcoin for. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm just like I'm just I'm just thinking about this, right? Like you know, I I do a little bit of this on the side, a little bit, you know. I am I'm kind of curious as to why a company like Capital One or any larger company that has an I'm just going to base it off the idea that this was on their AWS instances, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who did not notice that your AWS was constantly maxed out? <laughs> who did, I, I who don't did, know. Who didn't ask that question? Hey guys, uh, the AWS has been at a hundred percent for you know eighteen hours now. Should anybody look into that? They're like, yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Right. I <laughs> yes, mean, unless but- it was smart and it was like low, or else maybe they configured theirs to always be at a hundred percent. You know, that way they're using all of their. I don't, I don't know, or maybe she uh, somehow spread this, you know, over a few like different machines, so it didn't like fully max out just one machine yeah, or something. Like stories that. of uh, you know crypto mining attacking um, just a workstation. So, like, if she did get into Capital One, and was able to expand from there. Maybe there's multiple Capital One workstations. That- yeah, it's very true. I mean, I just, she could have I, created some sort of botnet or something. We don't know. And you're saying it took Capital One 150 days to 127 figure out 127 days, yeah. 127. And I they had to be told. Nice chunk of change from all that crypto. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. Pay your I own mean, bail, I guess. Way, not with the way crypto is <laughs> going now. But. Oh, yeah, true. But yeah, it took them 127 days. And they didn't even find it themselves. They had to be told by a user on GitHub. <laughs> Like this wasn't even them running their own audits or anything. This was just someone, a good Samaritan that basically said, Hey, Capital One, uh, this person may have a bunch of info. Then they went back into their their um, their log files and they were like, Oh yeah, this person logged in at this time. That's not supposed to be happening. And then they realized that they had been hacked. Like, oh my goodness, that <laughs> it's freaking insane. They're not even running like any sort of log on file audits, nothing. No, uh, apparently, I mean, so I'm, Aaron, um, what was yeah. that regulation you mentioned? It was um, what PCI for credit cards and banks? PCI compliance, PCI compliance, absolutely. So, did, would you say Capital One failed to follow that, or uh, yeah? So, you know, I, I'm not, I am nowhere near an expert on the law, but from my understanding of implementing PCI compliance in IT situations. I would most definitely say that they sh- were not likely following it, or mm. else maybe there was something misconfigured. Like when they talk about the firewall, like PCI compliance, as far as I've set it up before, is extremely strict. Yeah, it's very well, like it you can't be. have anything on these networks that handle credit card transactions. I mean, like absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, segmentation of your network is very important, as well as firewall configuration. So having a misconfigured firewall means they must have broke their. Um, compliance status, but it also doesn't say that this network was handling credit card transactions. Well, you it just says it has all financial networks. Or am I I'm, wrong? I'm not completely. I'm not completely sure about that. I just know in the in the midst of handling credit card transactions, that's the only mm-hmm. experience okay. I have with PCI compliance. But I mean, I mean, it's a good idea for a bank to say, "Hey, we're going to make all of our networks at least somewhat, you know, compliant with this regulation to the yeah, best of yeah, our yeah. ability." And they obviously opened up a flaw in their own firewall. Mm-hmm. So it's like, come on, guys. Like, you know, this gets me like with IT education. We should make it something like being a doctor. Very um, much so. so if, how so? Well, he, hear me out real quick. If you go to the doctor and you, you don't know anything about health, right? That's not mm-hmm. what you're you, – you, you didn't go to school for health. And the doctor does something wrong that hurts you. What, what do you do? You can sue him for malpractice. Exactly. So if you get an IT guy and you're like, "Hey, advise me on the best thing to do," and he does the wrong thing, what should you do? Well, what uh, then? I think so, it's slightly <laughs> different um, because how one, so? You're hurting someone. So one, you're you're hurting like their biological self. Like these, all, all these banks are insured. You know that they have funds set up for this kind of stuff. Um, like what? As what about saw, me? What? They're losing my information. Well, yeah, I'm so, hurt. Um you'll get some credit monitoring service, you know, like, so like with this age of technology is unfortunate is what I'm about to say is, is uh, true, but your identity is going to get stolen at some point or another. There's going to be some data breach with your information there. And like mm-hmm. we, 
yeah, we should hold these companies to a higher standard. But as I said before, it's a cat and mouse game. You know, the the mouse will always win, but the cat will be well fed kind of thing. Well, like, mm-hmm. What I'm trying to get at is it should be a lot more legal, I guess I'm saying. Like, for instance, All there right. should be a legal standard for you to do the best that you can to secure a network. And if you don't know, then shut up. No, I definitely don't agree say with that. If, I mean, as we discussed before, IT security is never 100%. It's all yeah. it's risk mitigation, not risk elimination. Well, and neither that's is fine. Exactly. And, that, and that's fine. I mean, you know, sometimes mistakes are unavoidable, um, you know, especially like in the medical field or the IT field. But mm-hmm. if you are fully compliant with whatever, you know, whatever PCI compliance, whatever you're trying to be compliant with, Yep. Whatever, whatever policies in place, if you're fully compliant and someone still hacks your network, I would feel a lot more sympathetic. But if you have issues on your network and you're not following something to a T and someone hacks your network because you're not following to a T, I absolutely think there should be legal ramifications. And, and I think the company should clear. be like heavily fined, if you ask me. Like, uh, Well, let, let me be completely clear as well. I'm saying that if you are an IT admin... First of all, I think to get that title, to get in a title as system administrator or developer, you should have to go through a lot more school. You should just be able to be like, I got out of my community college and now I'm an IT administrator. And it's like, what do you know about administration of sensitive IT assets? Yeah. What well, do you know about that? And like, well, nothing. And everything like but that. a lot of these people don't even have certifications. They have a bachelor's degree in computer science. Which doesn't teach you anything. No, it doesn't teach you jack squat about securing a network. Yeah, Not no, anything. Yeah. Like, come on now. They should have IT security degrees. And if you are going to be an IT admin, you need to have that degree. Not a computer science degree. That's more development, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. Wait, so yeah. and the part of the problem is, is like um, the ac- academia is always going to be behind uh, what's happening. So what, once they finally get the textbooks made and they get the course developed, Boom! You're already going to be out of date. What they're going to provide, I don't see that as being well, a great solution. Well, I'm not saying dumb certification off to the side, but, but what what I'm trying to get at is like the ITM should be held to a higher standard. Like you should know better. You should be implementing tools and you should be implementing uh, policies that prevent some of these things from happening. And mm-hmm. if you get audited by the government after a hack, and they say, "Hey, why didn't you have a password policy?" And this is how you were hacked. You were hacked because you, somebody entered the password one two three four five six seven eight, and boom, they got in. Yeah. If if that comes to light that that was the problem, should that IT admin be fired? Absolutely. Should he be fined civilly for his misconduct? Absolutely. Well, Personally, so why should he be absolutely. Uh, fine. You know, isn't there some protections um, in regard? Like, if these companies can protect themselves from this kind of thing. Well, let, let's take the medical field, right? If I go to you and I'm like, John, you should quit smoking. It's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, eh, shut up, doc. I don't care about that. And then you come back to me like, now nah, I have cancer. Why didn't you tell me about this? <laughs> and it's like, no, no, no. I told you. I documented it right here. Like, I don't think I don't see why we can't do that in the IT field. Like, hey, uh, CEO, we should buy this new firewall and we should configure it this way. And he's like, hey, 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 shut up. I don't care about firewalls. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, cool. Well, if you get hacked, not my problem. But if they're like, yeah. hey, should we buy this firewall? And you're like, ah, firewall, firewall. Well, like, yeah, so like I, I guess doctors and lawyers, they have like a license of some sort. So like, there's like a medical license. You know, you have your bar you take for a lawyer. Like, we don't have anything like that. And if they fuck up, they can, uh, you can take their license away, so they can't practice that anymore. Like, how yeah. Well, let's you- get a, let's get regulatory licensure then, because every story we've read so far has a guy sitting behind a desk named Joe who fucked up every I mean screwed up everybody's stuff <laughs> and no one's going to do anything about it no one's yeah. going to do it. I guarantee you Joe still probably has a job you well, want to know why because Joe didn't know any better Joe's 55 years old and he worked on the first computer that was the size of a room <laughs> I mean, okay <laughs> like what okay. do you want from me I'm being completely honest like this stuff needs to be corrected I'm so tired of hearing it yeah, because like no, I'm not I, I don't I'm not the best but I don't know anything but you want to know what happens when people ask me like hey what is our best course of action you want to know what I say mm. I don't know I don't know yeah I will I find, find out. out yeah yeah or definitely maybe be. we should hire someone else to mm-hmm. they can do just this I definitely agree with that the person should be should be fired if they don't know what they're doing and if they if it if they prove that they don't know what they're doing by 
obviously there should be some sort of vetting uh, vetting procedure before this to see if they actually know what they're doing. But mm-hmm. if they don't, then I definitely agree they should be fired. I don't know if they should be fined civilly. Um, I think the company does take some responsibility by hiring this person and not uh, correctly vetting them. Because, um, I mean, no matter where you go, if you if you work at a big tech company, if you're not doing your job or you're doing it poorly, you're probably going to get fired. I mean, that there, there's some sort of vetting when you get when you get hired by a company in any sort of like like IT sphere. So why isn't this happening at companies like this? I, I do think the company should take some responsibility for hiring this person and not actually vetting to see if they if they know what they're doing and they're actually going to keep people's uh, information confidential. Well, I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. Like from my my small work. You know, in the private sector, I'm, I'm not that old, but it, it is not that hard to get hired. It is not. And maybe maybe people think I know what I'm talking about. So they're like, oh, yeah, this guy hired. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> but is this are these IT professionals that are hiring you or is this oh, yeah. like company? No, yeah, these are CTOs, you know, sometimes the CFO, which is not an IT guy, but normally they have an IT yeah. guy who's there yeah, yeah. who can be like, is what he's saying true? Mm-hmm. Um. And generally, they'll ask you a couple questions. You'll go through what's the technical interview phase. Yeah, but yeah. like it's not that difficult. It's really not like I could. You, you, I guarantee you, any of us on this call could get hired at any company. It's not that difficult because mm. we we generally know what we're talking about. But I, I, I think find it be hard more to place them. I, I find it ex- a licensure program because I find it hard to believe. But so the problem somebody, with the licensure program is technology changes so quick. Like, I don't know how, like medical, like, yeah, it improves, but most of the same stuff is sound. Like, I don't. Well, no one says that you need to go in there and do everything, but come on now. We, we've all worked with people that it's like, how did you learn how to breathe? <laughs> no less. How so, did you get here? So how about this? What if the people, like, say if they have a certification like CompTIA Security Plus, I know a lot yeah, of people yeah. have that because of DoD. Um, what if they realize they messed up? Is there a way the company can report, like, hey, here's the uh, report, this person's negligence, can we revoke their certification kind of thing? I, I 100% agree with that. And I, I kind of like yeah. that idea better than having a government entity do it. Yeah, no, I definitely but, agree. I think the company should understand that, hey, if you hire a, you know, someone with no qualification to do this job, we 100% have the right to hold you accountable as well as that person. Yeah. And I'm not saying, you know, find them $8 billion for personally. Yeah. But I'm saying like, hey, we should make it hurt. Like, you should be quiet when you don't know what you're talking about. But aren't certificates like basically the same thing that you're talking about? Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Certificates to prove what you know, right? So, I, I, mean, I yeah. like that idea. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's already in place, though, with with certificates. Not uh, exactly. Not a lot of companies actually know, unless they are an IT company or they have a, a very intelligent hiring manager. Look at all these people with computer science degrees. What do you know yeah. about system administration? Well, nothing, really. Nothing. Nothing. Now, if you had a, a Windows Server 2012 MCSA, mm-hmm. I would say you probably know a little bit about Windows Server 2012. I yeah. can probably trust that you probably know what it is at least. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you come in here with a computer science degree, I could be like, hey, okay, we're going to set up this Red Hat server. He's like, whoa, hold on, guys. Never mm-hmm. heard of that. And yeah, all the rest of us in the room yeah. are like, what are you talking about, dude? It's for something like, different. I think a lot of companies think that degrees like that are an all-encompassing degree, and they're not. Yeah, Every not. degree is in IT is specific to a certain part of IT. There, there is no like all-encompassing degree for anything in IT. You're either a system exactly. administrator or network admin or you know something like that, yeah. um, or security like like we're talking about here. So yeah, I definitely agree. But isn't that on the company for not knowing the extent of degrees? I mean, that's pretty simple to look up and, and get info. Uh, I would, you know, I don't have a good answer for that because I can't hold a hiring manager accountable. I mean, I could, but it's kind of unfair. Like especially if you're in a large company, like. Microsoft or you know mm-hmm. Capital One, like you, you're hiring for career fields all over the place. Yeah, like I mean, but you're hiring everybody from the janitor to like the, you know the the CFO. Like, come but, on. But now. like you said, like, there's people there, like in 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 the process that should know what they're talking about to verify what you're saying. I mean, people can BS all they want through an interview and get hired, but I'm saying, shouldn't you have like your you know your senior sysadmin or something there to verify that, hey, this person actually knows what they're talking about. 
The like, question is, is that happening? Well, that's what I'm saying. That's that's why I kind of I hold yeah. the, the company more responsible for for hiring people that do a bad job in security. You should have your your senior then security lead there verifying that this I, person actually knows what they're talking about. I just I, I really do think that I, I don't know all the answers on this one, you know, uh, episode, but I think that we mm-hmm. should as a as a culture realize that hey, this is gonna become very important. It's not gonna get easier. It's yeah. only going to get worse, yeah, and true. we need to find a way to verify IT skills, similar to how doctors and lawyers are done. Mm-hmm. And we can't just say, oh, the technology is improving, so whoops, I guess we're never going to – because lawyers don't know everything. They are constantly reading new material and taking in new information. Mm-hmm. The bar is a basic – like it's a basic understanding of law. Yeah. Well, and like, the bar I'm not is saying, just saying that you can practice law. It's not saying yeah. you know everything. Well, the test is not all encompassing of everything. Yeah, exactly. Like it just is. It's the basics. Like, did you understand? Do you can you practice law? Do you have the aptitude to do it? Mm-hmm. And whereas right now we have no tests like that. Literally, I guarantee if you look up some of the people who are you know doing IT security, they'd be like, I have a bachelor's degree in computer science, and it's like, what did computer science teach you about IT security? It's like nothing. Mm-hmm. So. Who knows? I, I think we beat that horse pretty much dead, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. So, uh, John, you said you had a, you had another story? All right, yep. Um, so, let's just jump right into it, then. So, hackers have stolen the account details of 250,000 users of Dutch sex work form hookers.ml. <laughs> Uh, this includes stuff like email addresses of both escorts and customers. The hackers were able to exploit a flaw that allowed them to access hookers.nl uh, user database, which include, like I said, email addresses, but also their usernames, hash passwords, IP address of form users. In some cases, email um, addresses and usernames could include the user's full name because people are idiots. Let's see. Uh, so the passwords, the hackers actually offered all this for sale, and they're only asking for three hundred dollars <laughs> uh, <laughs> for all the information. Uh, so this is interesting, but it does look like if they could um, get a hold of the hacker, the Dutch Data Protection Authority uh, mm-hmm. could have some legal action against them, and because he's selling it, it's punishable under law. But wow. this, this is all this happened because of a V bulletin vulnerability. Uh, CVE 2019-16759, which allows a remote command execution. Basically, with that, they were able to get into the database and get everything. that There was a patch release for it on September 23rd, but not a lot of websites have updated to it yet. Okay, so this was a vulnerability in the, the website itself? Yes. Okay, okay. And, uh, <laughs> Jesus. Let me look over it real quick, but... I'm saying, you know, this is all kind of reminiscent of, like, the Ashley Madison stuff that happened in 2015. Yeah, I was going to mention that, yeah. Uh, Except they're not putting it out for free. They're and and with it. potential email usernames, hash passwords, depending on the hash, IP addresses, you could totally blackmail some of these people and get a lot more money out of them than uh, just oh, yeah. $300 for selling the database. Like, <laughs> So, did they say, uh, I'm sorry if you already mentioned it, but did they say who is behind it? Like, was it an organization, like an activist activist group, or what? This makes it sound like uh, one person. So the Dutch Broadcast Foundation uh, contacted them and viewed the database to confirm its legitimacy. They just say yeah. hacker, not hackers, not whatever. It just sounds like it's a single person. Huh. Okay. I was just seeing if this was a, some sort of, like, I don't know, like a human rights, you know, <laughs> I don't, you know what I mean? Like, something like that. But, yeah, it just sounds like it's just one person. Because if they're only selling it for $300, it seems like they just want people, they want someone to have it um, to either like blackmail or, or do something. So, because I mean, that's a lot of data to just sell for 300 bucks. Yeah. So that's what it seems like to me. It seems like they're using it for more than just uh, like more leverage than than just, you know, for profit. But it, apparently like this has been affecting other people like, uh, what's it, Komodos? Uh, I think there's some kind of antivirus their form was affected. Um, mm-hmm. by the same exploit and it's just people need to look at these CVEs and update their stuff on time like uh, there should be someone managing that I'd say look another example of people needing the right education but the thing is Komodo <laughs> it's funny because 
that's kind of their thing they focus on. Yeah. Like they're a cybersecurity solutions. That's what their uh, their website says. And look at them not updating their stuff. <laughs> it's a great track record. Exactly. Trust us with your internet security. Oh, we got hacked. <laughs> yeah, the leading cybersecurity platform offers best antivirus, internet security, endpoint security, and website security. Well, not obviously not. No website security there. Like I'm not trying to slander them, but it, it's just kind of dumb to claim that. I mean, it's kind of the same thing with any any of these other companies. Like, you trust this company to keep your stuff safe. Like, we laugh at at a company like that that their main focus is internet security. But like, sh- shouldn't every other company have that same focus? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Am, am I crazy, or should Capital One like keep your stuff safe? This <laughs> no, kind of seems like the same issue here. Yeah, saying it sucks for hookers. I know. <laughs> I mean, I think it sucks for them regardless, but. <laughs> um, Aaron, you got any comments for the story? Uh, nope. I, nope. I'm good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Me and, uh, me and John uh, commented in the last episode that we're kind of getting more, more and more offensive as the episodes progress. It's always him too. None of, none of, none of the rest of us have <laughs> no, these is, dirty. Like, you can read the threat post article I'm quoting. This is exactly what happened. Um, you know, like, what are you searching to find this? Like, so, you don't want to know. I don't know if y'all have ever used threat post, but it's real great. And it was just okay. <laughs> it was just there on the homepage, and I, right. I, I saw Dutch, Dutch sex work form breach, and I thought it'd be an interesting read. <laughs> Oh no! You travel to uh, you travel to the Netherlands often. Hey, let's not talk about that. <laughs> oh my goodness! I was waiting for you to say, uh, you know, I was personally affected by this, so I have a lot of passion. <laughs> <laughs> I just figured if we do have any readers from the Netherlands or or Holland, as they call it, you know, maybe they should uh, be be in tune and know that their stuff is yeah, exactly. Or any anyone who takes business trips there? Well, even the escorts <laughs> working there, the customers that partake in them, you know, all like oh, that. Well, I'm sure they've been notified. Oh, yeah. I, I hope so. I mean, I'm sure their pimps have been notified anyways. <laughs> Jesus. Jeez, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, but I'm not. But I'm not. we call it the vice casting couch. <laughs> not why we called that but okay (laughs) oh my goodness all right well i think we're gonna end that there um we had a good run it's been fun uh before we get canceled um uh, all right well we will see you all later bye